Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. This episode will finish out section 76 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Uh, we kind of went up to verse 49 uh, in the first episode. And so this episode will go from verse 50 through the end. Um, so it starts by, with, verse, with verse 50 saying, And again we bear record, for we saw and heard, and this is the testimony of the gospel of Christ, concerning them who shall come forth in the resurrection of the just. And so what is the resurrection of the just? Um, that's going to be those who are resurrected uh, in the first resurrection. Well, what is that? Well, let's talk about this. So President Joseph Fielding Smith said, In modern revelation given to the church, the Lord has made known more in relation to this glorious event, the, more, the, the resurrection of the just and unjust. There shall be at least two classes which shall have the privilege of the resurrection at this time. First, those who shall dwell in the presence of, of God and, his, and Christ forever and ever. And second, honorable men, those who belong to the terrestrial kingdom as well as those of the celestial kingdom. At the time of the coming of Christ, they who have slept in their graves shall come forth. For their graves shall be opened and they shall be caught up to meet him in the midst of the pillar of heaven. They are Christ's, the first fruits, they who shall descend with him first. And they who are first caught up to meet him and this by the voice of the sounding of the trump of the angel of God. These are the just, whose names are written in heaven, where God and Christ are the judge of all. These are they who are just men made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. Following this great event, and after the Lord and the righteous who are caught up to meet him have descended upon the earth, there will come, past, come to pass another resurrection. This may be considered as a part of the first, although it comes later. And this resurrection will come forth the, those of the terrestrial order, who are not worthy to be caught up to meet him, but who are worthy to come forth to enjoy the millennial reign. The first resurrection will extend into the millennium and include all those worthy of the celestial kingdom who's, who live and die during the, the thousand years. So the morning of the first resurrection, what that means is the, as, the, as it relates to the resurrection of the just, um, I guess let's, let's go back. The resurrection of the just will include the um, first resurrection, uh, and that will first be the celestial, those who are, will inherit a celestial glory. Um, but it also includes those who inherit the ter- terrestrial kingdom, although theirs comes later in chronology and time, I, I guess, is if we want to say it that way. And so the resurrection of the just does include the celestial and terrestrial resurrections. But, uh, you know, the, the, the phrase, the morning of the first resurrection, refers to the, the morning, the, f- the first part of that day, the first part of the resurrection of the just, which will be uh, for the, those who inherit the celestial kingdom. Now, President uh, Joseph Fielding Smith here noted that those who live in the millennium and die in the millennium also can inherit the celestial kingdom and so they will also be resurrected in, in celestial glory as well, should they, uh, you know, live the celestial law. Um, and so chronology gets a little confusing to really talk about because time is not really relevant to the Lord. But in terms of man's chronology, uh, those who will obtain a celestial body will be resurrected first and then the terrestrial and so on to the telestial. Um, but the resurrection of the just does include both the celestial and terrestrial resurrections. Now, 
in in talking about um, who inherits this first resurrection and the resurrection of the just, specifically the resurrection of those who will be receiving celestial glory. Um, I have uh, in the verses 51 through 53, I have noted seven different um, descriptors uh, that describe these people. They are they who received the testimony of Jesus, believed on his name, and were baptized after the manner of his burial. They kept the commandments. Uh, They received the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands, who overcome by faith, and who are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, most of those things probably sound mo- somewhat self-explanatory. What is be- what does it mean to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise? Bruce R. McClung- uh, excuse me, Bruce R. McConkie said, "To seal is to ratify, to justify, or to approve. Thus, an act which is sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise is one which is ratified by the Holy Ghost." I think of uh, I think of olden times days back in you know. Uh, lords and kings and 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 the like, um, they would send an official decree or declaration, and uh, it would be rolled up into a scroll, maybe, and then a drop of wax would be put over to to seal it closed, right? And before the wax would dry, they typically it was like a a ring, right? That was the official seal of the king. They they would push into this wax, it would make an impression. And so then when this declaration went out, the person who received it could know that it was officially de- decreed. It was ratified or justified or approved by the throne or the king because of this seal, this official seal. And so that's, to me, one of the things I think of when I think of to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. It's this approval. And where is the approval coming from? It's coming from the Godhead, from, from a member of the Godhead, and thereby from God, from Christ um, and to be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, it, it, it's of note to me that that's the last thing listed because I think these other six things that I noted in verses 51 through 53 are things that precede that. Those are the things that the Holy Spirit of promise will seal that we actually performed and did uh, under proper authority and in uh, with integrity and honesty. Uh, you know... Um, We, in the church, maybe take for granted the gospel, faith and repentance and baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and enduring to the end. But in a very um, practical manner, what that is, is the prescribed manner to testify, um, to stand as a witness of Christ and that we are his. He could have asked us to do anything. He could have asked us to spin around three times while patting our head and rubbing our belly. He could have asked us to simply say a prayer, you know, maybe a specific prayer, uh, professing his majesty and accepting him as our savior. He could have asked us to uh, make our way on a pilgrimage once in our life to a specific place to show this uh, as a testimony that we are his. He could have asked us to circle the globe. He could have asked us to do anything, but instead what he's asked us in the prescribed manner to show up and profess and to testify is the gospel. And so no other way 
will receive his seal, will receive the seal of, uh, by the Holy Spirit of promise. Because it is not from him, it is not of him, it is not decreed by him or approved by him. So, those who receive the celestial glory are those who, as I've listed here, these seven things, um, but they are, they who are priests and kings, I think we could also say priestesses and queens who have received his fullness and his glory. Um, and they are those who accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and lived it. Now, that means in this life or the next, uh, they, these are they who are, uh, you know, if, wherefore, because I'm going to skip ahead to verse 78, says, wherefore, they, they are bodies terrestrial and not bodies celestial. So he's talking about the terrestrial kingdom now and those who receive the terrestrial glory. They are they who, uh, who are not valiant in the testimony of Jesus. So that tells us that those who are valiant must be those who are uh, receivers the celestial glory and valiant in what the testimony of Jesus what does it mean to testify or to have a testimony it means to stand as a witness how do we stand as a witness well he's given us a prescribed way which circles back to the Holy Spirit of promise that we've just talked about we'll move on to the terrestrial kingdom I will say this uh, of note um, the terrestrial the celestial kingdom there are varying degrees of glory uh, we learn that here in this in this section and through modern revel- other modern revelation that um, it isn't just celestial there are different varying degrees of of celestial and um, when I was on my mission oftentimes when we taught the plan of salvation and would get to the degrees of glory we would teach the celestial kingdom we would mention the terrestrial and the celestial kingdoms but then we would often and we i actually had uh, one of my first companions who was about to go home he gave me this envelope of um, little cards that you could we could lay out on a table and go through the entire plan of salvation lesson starting the pre-mortal life and mortal life and the fall and the atonement of Jesus Christ and death and resurrection and all and the judgment and the, the re- degrees of glory. And we had these different, you know, one was a sun and it was a celestial kingdom and then a moon and then a star that represented the different um, kingdoms of glory. We would talk about and mention all three and then we would uh, oftentimes put away the moon and the star and say, we're not going to even talk and focus on these very much. Because, look, where we want to go, it's not where we want to go. We, we need to set our sights where, where He is, where Christ is, where God is. And um, we want to be, we want to live the celestial law so that we can receive the celestial glory. Um, and so I wanted to mention that. And now we will move into, and I will discuss the terrestrial and celestial kingdoms that are uh, shown in this vision, in these visions to uh, Joseph and Sidney. In verses 72 and 74, um, it says, Behold, these are they who died without law, and they who are in spirits of men kept in prison, whom the Son visited and preached, in the, gospel, uh, preached the gospel unto them, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. So, do those who receive the gospel in the spirit world inherit the celestial or terrestrial kingdom? And it's a complicated question because there's not a, one right answer, because 
had the person, if it's a person who would have received the gospel in this life, hears it and accepts it, then they can abide by the celestial law and receive celestial glory. However, it's, if it's someone who rejected the, law, the, the the gospel in this life and then hear it in the next life and accept it, what happens to them? Is that can they inherit celestial or terrestrial, or is it terrestrial? So, other Bruce R. McConkie said that actually Joseph Smith said. All who have died without a knowledge of this gospel, who would have received it if they had been permitted to tarry, shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom. Those who received not the testimony of Jesus in the flesh. If they afterwards received it, that is, in the spirit world, they will go to the terrestrial kingdom. Elder Bruce R. McConkie taught the foolishness of believing that a person can reject the gospel in this life and accept it in the next and still inherit celestial glory. He said, this is the life Though this life is the time and the day of our probation. After this day, which is given us to prepare for eternity, then come with the night of darkness, wherein there can be no labor performed. For those who do not have an opportunity to believe and obey the holy word in this life, the first chance to gain salvation will come in the spirit world. If those who hear the word for the first time in their realms ahead are kind are the kind of people who would have accepted the gospel here and had the opportunity been afforded them, they will accept it there. Those who reject the gospel in this life and then receive it in the spirit world go not to the celestial, but to the terrestrial kingdom. So, how is that? I mean, is that something that is hard to hear? I don't know. Because sometimes we, we, we teach often in the church that you know, they're gonna, they can hear it and they can accept it and they can go to the celestial kingdom with us and join us. And it's true, but it's also, we need to keep in mind that there is justice and mercy, as merciful as the plan is, and as merciful as the atonement is, and as Christ is, there is justice. Um, and as we, Elder McConkie pointed out, this life is the life to prepare. And so if you hear it here and reject it, then you're not on the same footing as someone who didn't hear it in this life and hears it and accepts it in the next life. That said, there is clearly a line, right? Just like the line with Sons of Perdition. But where that line is, I don't know. Someone who hears the gospel and what does it mean to hear the gospel? What does it mean to accept the gospel? What does it mean to reject the gospel in this life? Um, I don't know the answers to that. I don't know where that line is. But what I do know is that a loving Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, Specifically, his son will sit and be the judge of, of all and will take into consideration the our upbringing and the things that we're taught in life and the circumstances and our mental health and our physical health and the challenges that we had in this mortal life that led to our decisions. He'll take all of that into account, things that we ourselves can't even take into account for our, for our own selves. And so that I trust him and his mercy and love and justice and his atoning power to do what is right. And like Nephi, I must say, thy ways are just, O Lord. Um, so uh, we've mentioned what it means to be valiant uh, and, and being sealed by the... Uh, the Holy Spirit of promise. 
But Bruce Arnold Conkey actually also has a, a great list that I wanted to share of what it means to be valiant. He said it is, it is to be courageous and bold, to use our strength and energy and ability in the warfare with the world, to fight the good fight of faith, to be valiant in the testimony of Jesus is to come unto Christ and be perfected in him, to deny ourselves voluntariness. It is to believe in Christ and his gospel with unshakable conviction. This is not all. It is more than being believing and knowing. We must do, be doers of the word. To be valiant in the testimony of Jesus is to press forward with a steadfastness in Christ. To be valiant in the testimony of Jesus is to bridle our passions, control our appetites, and rise above carnal and evil things. To be valiant in the testimony of Jesus is to take the Lord's side on every issue. It is to vote as he would vote. It is to think as he would think. It is to believe what he believes, to say what he would say, and do what he would do in the same situation. It is to have the mind of Christ and to be one with him as he is one with the Father. And citing, that's the end of his quote, and so this is now me. It's citing with the Lord on every issue takes time, it takes prayer, it takes effort. When the saints first heard this revelation, that is Doctrine and Covenants section 76, many of them found it too hard to believe. There was a, a school of thought at the time called universalism where everyone basically thought that, or the, the thought was that basically the Lord would save everyone, that they could go away uh, they would be punished for their sins if for, that they didn't repent of. The atonement would then cover the rest, and then eventually they could all be saved, moving from like a purgatory hell type state into heaven. All, everyone, universally. While this is founded in some truthfulness, as we read in Doctrine and Covenants section 19, that eternal damnation is just the Lord's punishment, and that uh, those who, uh, as we read about here in section 76, those who inherit the, celest- uh, the telestial kingdom, are those who will who reject the gospel. They will have to face their own punishment, but it is a temporary Lord's punishment. Uh, these are they who are cast down to hell and suffer the wrath of the Almighty until the fullness of times when Christ shall have subdued all enemies under his feet and have perfected his work. That's like verse 106. It says, until, and it says, uh, the wrath of the Almighty. Section 19, again, it tells us that this is just God's punishment. It doesn't necessarily mean eternal punishment. So that this universalism was founded in some truth, but not all truth. And the, the saints didn't uh, had kind of uh, rejected it. Although Joseph Smith's father and grandfather held more of a universalistic, universalistic type of viewpoint. Um, and there are many hard truths here. This this what's well, the line between the rejecting the Holy Ghost and being a son of perdition versus receiving kingdom of glory? What's the line between rejecting the gospel in this life but still being able to accept it in the next life and receive the the social kingdom? These are these are hard things. Uh, Brigham Young said that he, when he first received it, he had a really hard time with it. He had to say, "Wait a minute," and he had to take time and pray and ponder. And so it is with taking the Lord's side on anything, on and on everything. Elder Anderson taught, don't be surprised if when this prophet speaks you and teaches something, you don't initially agree with him. Don't be surprised if it goes against your political or societal beliefs. But he is the prophet and he speaks for God. As we seek to change and have our will change to align with his, then we can adapt his side on every issue. And do what he would do in every issue and think as he would think. But it's a process. But it's not going to be his will bending to ours. If at any time our our viewpoints differ from the churches, from the prophets, from the lords, we can be sure and you can be sure that it's you that needs to change. It's us that needs to change. The Lord is not wrong. The Lord will not bend his will to match societies. 
Truth is, does not care about how many people hold a, a, a specific opinion. It doesn't change. It is everlasting. Just as he is everlasting. Um, we l- read in sections, uh, section 76, verses 89 through 106 about the Telestial Kingdom. And I'll, and I'll just summarize it. It's for those who reject the gospel. It's for those who um, are wicked, basically. Wicked men and women. But they will still receive a, a kingdom of glory. Why? Because they are sons of the Most High, daughters of the Most High. And He is merciful. It will not be anything in comparison to the terrestrial or the celestial. Or the celestial. And even in the celestial, we're told, just as stars differ in their glory, so too do these differ in their glory and the, the, the glory that they receive. There are varying degrees within the celestial kingdom. But it will surpass all understanding. Greater than anything you can understand and know on this earth. That's the lowest of the, of the lows in the kingdoms of glory. Uh, Johnny Wetzel said, The Doctrine and Covenants explains clearly that the lowest glory to which man is assigned is so glorious as to be beyond the understanding of man. It is the doctrine fundamental in, in the church that the meanest sinner in the final judgment will receive a glory which is beyond human understanding, which is so great that we will be unable to describe it adequately. Those who do dwell will receive an uh, even more glorious place. Those who dwell in the lower may look wistfully to the higher as we do here. The hell on the other side will be felt in some such way. The, the gospel is a gospel of tremendous love. Love is at the bottom of it. The meanest child is loved so dearly that his reward will be beyond the understanding of mortal man. Only the sons of perdition who deny the truth and openly defy God will be denied a kingdom of glory. How awesome is that, right? Um, and so I want to kind of end somewhere where I kind of where I started, um, and that is with this quote from Joseph Smith: "That if we could read and comprehend all that has been written from the days of Adam on the relation of man to God and the angels in a future state, we should know very little about it. Reading the experience of others or the revelation given to them." can never give us a comprehensive view of our condition and our true relation to God. We get that through our own study, through our own prayer, through our own pondering. And so we pray every day, every day, every day. We study every day, every day, every day. We ponder upon the words of the, of the prophets every day, every day, every day to create situations to be worthy for the, spirit to dwell with us and to teach us and to testify to us and to reveal to us personal revelation in a coming day only those who pay the price for personal revelation will be able to withstand in a coming day only those who pay the price for priesthood power will be able to protect their their families in this life and in eternities It's not enough that Nephi paid the price. It's not enough that Joseph Smith paid the price or Sidney Rigdon or your parents. We all, each of us, everyone, must pay our own price. And that price is nothing like the price that that Jesus Christ paid, but it is a token. And he's given us the pathway to do that, to have faith, to repent, to be baptized and keep our covenants, to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and endure to the end, 
and to study and to pray and to ponder. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive revelation. As we do that and pay our small little token, he will, through the majesty and glory, through the mercy and might of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he will complete us. He will perfect us. Thank you for listening. I hope this helps you in your journey this week as you study. Best of luck, and I hope to talk to you soon.